What's up, all my homies out there? I'm back. I think it's been two weeks. I've lost track. My apologies, but here I is. Today is Sunday, the 16th of May, 2021. The world gets crazier by the day. But you didn't come here to listen to me talk about how crazy the world is. You can find that anywhere. You came here because you wanted to hear me, Brandon Harper, get things off my chest. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job trying to make it through a crazy world. So I come here about once every week or two or three to get things off my chest. This podcast started when I lived in San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. Fast forward like five years. Here I am, Corpus Christi, Texas, partner and circus manager of a brewery called New Oasis Brewing Company. If there's one thing you need to know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So without further ado, here's me. (laughs) Sit back, relax, and give me the controls to the launch pad for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. It's been a while, I know, but you know what? I get busy, and I don't understand these guys who upload content like five times per day, five hours a day. I mean, it's just, it is crazy. It takes so much time. I never really knew how much uh, time and energy it took until now, but either way, I'm here. I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh, YouTube today. I'm also going to talk about, you know what? I don't. I'm not going to lay out everything I'm going to talk about. I don't know why people do that. I, you know, sometimes I just find myself following the same format that everyone else does, and I don't really know why. So, you know what? You're going to have to just wait through the whole thing, and you're not going to be able to fast forward and bounce around and find the topics you like. I'm coming at you from my new studio at Curtis Clark Drive. <laughs> I was trying to think of a funny name for it, but I don't. I'm going to call it the Lazy Black Dog Studio, because right now I've got an old dog named Bentley curled up in a little ball on the same leather couch that she slept on almost all of her life. The other dogs are outside because they're too restless, but Bentley's in here chilling with me. I've got this little house kind of guest house behind my house on the same property. Um, and it's got a, it's got an apartment attached to it. And then it's also got like the, they call it the man cave. And you know, I just don't like that word. I don't like man cave. I don't like lady cave. I don't like lady space. I don't like mansplain. I think all those words are dumb. So I'm trying to be racking my brain for, uh, for a name for this space. 
and I don't know yet. I don't know. It's not a studio. It's the whole thing was built on a slab that was way too low. They poured it as a garage. So the, the slab is too far below grade. So when it rains, water comes in. You know, you can't really have a lot of nice stuff out here. It gets musky and old after a while. But I think uh, I'm going to stop neglecting it. You know, for a while there, it kind of turned into a storage room. But I've got it all organized yesterday. I spent about four or five hours out here cleaning things up, dusting things, sweeping. You know, all the couches were covered in dust and like a little tiny little bit of mildew. I went ahead and cleaned all that off and um, I reset it up. It was set up like, um, you know, I had a leather couch and a chair looking at a big TV on the wall. But I'm like, you know what? I don't ever watch TV. I never, I mean, even in my own house, I don't watch, I don't sit on the couch. I've, I've literally probably spent a total, since I moved in this house, which will be like three years in November, I've probably spent maybe 10 hours on the couch, if that, and, and that's probably been sleeping. So I don't spend time in front of the TV. So I reorganized a room with a dining room table that's going to serve as a podcast studio type desk. So I don't know what I'm going to do in the summer because it's going to be hot and the air conditioner is too loud. I'm too much of an idiot to try to make the microphone work with the air conditioner on. So what I did last night was I came out here, I turned it on 64. I let it go all night and then shut it off right before I started recording. And then typically the way it works is it all start getting sweaty right about the time I'm done recording. So I'm very familiar with this process. I did it in Nicaragua. I can do it here. I just don't know if I can do it throughout the summer. If I were a real podcaster, or what do they call them, content creator, then I would uh, I would probably get my mic situation figured out. I mean, everything I have is expensive equipment, except for my headphones. Those were free. But everything's expensive, but I still can't figure out how to make it work. Ugh, terrible. But you did not pay your good money to listen to me whine about my crappy podcasting. You came here to hear what I was thinking. You wanted to know what I was going to say. So, here goes. I know some of you know this, but I'm going to go through it anyway. I don't think hate crimes should actually be a crime. And let let me get going here before you slap me across the face. I think a crime is a crime. And I don't think that like trying to peg the motivations should make the crime worse. And if we look at hate crimes, we look at regular crimes. So, let's just say that a dude walks out of a convenience store and he gets beat up. White guy, white guy. White guy beats up another white guy. So the sentence for that should be exactly the same as if a white guy beats up a black guy. I don't think the it's fair to try to determine if it was racially motivated. I'm a firm believer that you can't know someone's racist unless they pronounce it or they have some kind of gesture. Maybe they have tattoos. I don't know. But trying to prove the way someone feels in their heart to give them a more severe crime or a more more severe sentence, rather, is a slippery slope. And I, I don't think it's something we should go down. And, and I know the natural response might be, you know, what if, uh, what if while the person is getting beaten up, the uh, assailant, is that the right word? The assailant, the suspect is screaming racial slurs and he's saying bad things. Then can we call it a a racially motivated hate crime. And I think, well, yeah, we, we can call it that, but I don't think the punishment should be any more severe because 
technically it's not illegal to be racist. I know that sounds pretty ridiculous, but you know, if it was, maybe people would have problems with Joe Biden hanging out with David Duke, but that's a different story. So here's the slope that, that you end up going down if you start trying to figure out motivations for crimes. Or motivations for hate crimes, rather. I mean, we know the motivation to rob a bank is to get a bunch of money. So if we're going to try to figure out motivations for all crimes, including hate crimes, then we have to develop a scale of punishments. It, it can't just be, oh, well, hate crimes have a worse punishment than any other kind of crime. Because if that's the case, there, there are some things that we might say are worse than hate crimes or things that aren't as bad. And all that starts to get blurry and subjective. Uh, let's just take, for instance, you got a guy's truck. He's, he's in his work truck. He's, you know, he's got it parked overnight. Someone comes in, smashes the back, steals all of his tools. In my opinion, that's bad. Like Stealing a working man's tools so that you can go sell them to get money is worse than stealing tools from a store. But I understand that we can't classify it any differently. The fact is, you took something that wasn't yours. Or something like swindling an old person. You know, if we're going to be in the business of figuring out which is worse, is it worse to steal jewelry from a 25-year-old ex-college football player? Or is it worse to steal jewelry off the neck of an old lady who's pushing her shopping cart? Well, that's an obvious answer. But what if it was between a 55-year-old guy and a 40-year-old guy? Or a 35-year-old lady and a 65-year-old man? So do you see how whenever the spectrum is far apart, it's easy. But as you get closer in to like, what about, what about, what about this, what about that? Then it starts becoming subjective, and then we start operating off of which do we feel like is worse, why is it worse? So it's better off, in my opinion, just to say, hey, bro, you knocked this person out. They weren't expecting it. That's a crime. You're going to jail. That's assault. You stole this. You're a thief. You're going to jail. And, and so we can even use the, the highest punishment. So let's say right now that a hate crime is two more years in jail than a non-hate crime. I would be fine with stepping up the punishment to the level of hate crime and using that across the board so that we're not taking away, we're, we're, not, we're not creating an incentive for people to commit hate crimes. Although I don't think it would have an effect, I'm willing to give that in this equation. You know, we should just punish the crime. I, I, I don't feel like it's fair to anyone to, um, to try to determine what someone's intent was or their motive. Their modem. <laughs> Their motive. I'm going to go back to the modem comment here in a second. I don't know if you guys watched the documentary that was on Netflix. I guess technically it wasn't a documentary, but the the show about the trial of the Chicago 7, I believe. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it on here before. But basically it just chronicled the trial of a bunch of kids. Um, it was in the 60s, late 60s, something like that. Civil rights era. And um, they were uh, trying these kids for inciting riots and violence and all that. And I remember the line that one of the kids said. In fact, I think I already said it on this podcast several months ago. But he said, what, what the judge asked him when he was on the stand, or right when they were getting close to deliberating, 
they said, when you did this, did you have the intent of formulating a riot? Or when you said this, what were you thinking? Were you thinking that it would cause a riot? And the guy, and, and, and I may not be dead on on that quote, but the gist of it is that. And the guy looked at the judge and he said, am I on trial for what I did or my thoughts? And to me, that, that struck a chord and it stayed with me. We don't try people for their thoughts. We try them for their actions. Just like if, um, if a Hezbollah guy beheads a white Christian, like, I'm sorry, but we don't try him any different than if someone was robbing them and killed them. I mean, just because they represent ISIS and they're the, the doer of all evils, I don't think the guy should get in any more trouble than the guy who committed the same crime with maybe a different motive. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Now I want to go back and touch on my comment. Do you see when I said modem instead of motive? So it's kind of difficult to sit here and talk into a microphone in dialogue form. I'm not just recording my thoughts, but in my mind I have to think, okay, people are going to be listening to this. So there's a lot of thoughts that are going through my mind as I'm talking. I don't know why I said modem, because I didn't look at modem, I didn't think of modem, there's mo no modem around me. But that's just an example how our brain just does things. And there's been times, I, I go back and I listen to these podcasts, and almost every single one, I might like, put my face in my palm, and I think to myself, how did I not know that I just said that? How did I, throughout my monologue, I said something that was completely wrong or out of context, and normally it's just one or two words. It's not like a whole thought or theory. I'll say left when I meant right. I'll say up when I meant down. I'll say garbage when I meant grocery. And <laughs> it is like, it's good insight into like bringing you back down to earth. Sometimes, you know, I make fun of Joe Biden for not being able to put a sentence together. Heck, I don't know. Maybe the guy's smarter than I get. No, I'm just kidding. But one of my favorite talk radio guys this past week did the same thing. He kept trying to use the word grocery bag, and he kept saying garbage bag. And that's where my example just came from. But I thought to myself, well, this guy talks on the radio for five hours a day. He's going to say things wrong, no matter how experienced you are. Even guys like Rush Limbaugh have been doing it for 50 years. You still fumble. And, and just like when you're having a conversation in person, you still fumble. It just it happens. It just happens. It's tough. I think it's good for everyone's communication skills to practice doing this, even if you don't record it or put it out there. I challenge you guys, just sit there and talk to yourself for 30 minutes. Obviously not in public, but in the privacy of your own home. You know, one thing you keep hearing about from the media and from your friends and your coworkers is just how divided we are. You know, countries just so divided, so split, and torn apart and divided. And so I'm always analyzing that, trying to figure out why that's the way it is, how it's going to be in the future, what caused us to get there. And I truly think that unless someone unites us that's from outside the normal government, that that's motivations are purely to change the country, they're not worried about all the perks that come with politics. They're not worried about all the fame and all the money and all the book deals. It's going to take someone like that. And if it, if it hadn't just happened, I would say it would take a natural disaster, something that would 
that would threaten the country's safety or health or positioning. And that just happened, and it was COVID, and that just pushed us farther apart. The other day I thought to myself, you know, we're getting to the point where people are wanting to see businesses take sides. They're wanting to see them take political sides. And then I thought, okay, knowing that, if I could open a business and just just capitalize on that, I'm not saying that, you know, this is what the country needs or would be a great idea. I just think about how could someone capitalize on that? And I thought, if somebody opened up a big box hardware store, just like Home Depot, just like Lowe's, but they called it like, you know, American hardware, and they toted the American flag, and they, were, they flaunted conservatism, and they flaunted Christianity, I think that they would skyrocket to the top and give those big guys a run for their money. And then I thought, well, what would be the, the comeback to that? Like, how would, you, how would you compete with that? And then, so you would have some people that just didn't care, and you'd have some people that wouldn't shop there, and you'd have some people that would shop there. So then I thought, would that leave... Would that leave? See, I just did it. Would that lead to red and blue businesses, where you you know you you tout your political affiliation or your the way in which you lean politically, so that you can attract loyal customers and and run off the ones that maybe you don't care for or you know won't care for you. And it's kind of sad to me. I I, I miss the days where we wondered what companies thought or where they stood and it didn't matter we just we were there for the transaction like look dude i just i just want to buy my cheeseburger and go home i don't care who you want to vote for i don't care what kind of flag you want to put on your car none of that matters to me i just want my cheeseburger and i want to go home but we have to remember that whenever the people at the top have us fighting whenever we're quarreling amongst ourselves that just means that we're not going to turn on the government. We're not going to rise up. And I don't mean like rise up against the power and anarchy and all that. I just mean, we're going to not question things or, you know, when it's the red versus the blue, the government's just sitting there watching. And, and the more we fight, the more they benefit for two reasons. Number one, we become more loyal to our home team, to our team, to our, our, our blue loyalty or our red loyalty. And number two, the government's looking at us, just watching us fight. And they're in no danger at all. They're just doing their thing, making their decisions, going about their life, smoking cigars with one another behind closed doors. All the while, we're hating each other and fighting for our political beliefs. But as I was analyzing this, I put it in terms of dog language, which I always do. And I pictured these two dogs that are fighting with one another, Viciously, viciously fighting. And a guy walks up to him, and he's like, man, I should probably break these dogs up. So he breaks up the dogs, and now imagine if those two dogs, the second he breaks them up, they just sit there and they look at him, and they're like, oh, man, we, we should turn on this guy. And I don't know why I had that vision, but I just thought, like, the government being the guy would be like, no, no, you guys just keep, you guys sort it out. Go ahead, just keep fighting. You guys got this. As long as I stay back here and let you guys go at it, I'm safe. You know, and I think a real leader would get in there and break it up and say, you stop it, you knock it off, let's all three band together, let's sort things out, but we're not going to have any of this. But no one's willing to do it. No one's willing to stand up and say, you all are being silly, this is how I believe, this is what we need to do, let's move forward. Because they know that 
the less concession they give, the more loyal followers they'll have. And the main problem that I have with politicians is they just want followers to get reelected. I feel like a vast majority of them are not here to incite change. They just want to get reelected. I heard a statistic the other day that I think it was seven out of the last eight elections, there was either a Bush or a Clinton running for the White House or, or holding a seat in the White House. It's like, it was like 50-something years. I also heard a statistic that of all the people who have run for president, I think, I want to say 60% or 70% of them had a father who was president or their father ran for president. And I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but just because your daddy was a leader or your daddy ran for president doesn't mean you're qualified. So that should show us that it's not about leadership. It's not about taking a group of people, getting them to follow you, and implementing change. The minute we see that, the minute we figure out as a group of citizens, is the second we figure this out, that it's the, it should be the people versus the government. And we get on the same team, and we start electing people that are there to make change and not just run campaigns to get reelected, I think we're going to see a change. And I think that things like social media is going to put the ability in the people's hands to start getting elected who have never held office before or that have been business people and maybe they don't have the money or the connections. You know, these politicians spend their entire lives, I'm not joking, from the time that they're 15 until the time that they put their name on the ballot making connections solely for the purpose of politics. I mean, granted, yeah, they'll probably get some nice business perks along the way, some nice deals, but they're there to make connections in D.C. And so I think things like social media, if we can keep it out of the hands of three companies, will give the ability for people to, to speak and be heard by the population and they don't have to spend their life making these backroom relationships. They don't have to spend their life making these stupid deals with Ukraine and Russia and China. And maybe, just maybe, we can start electing leaders. Instead of Joe Biden, we got this dead guy in the office, weekend at Bernie's. I'm not kidding. The guy is so low energy. He, he could never lead a team to a winning competition. Not at this point in time. Maybe he could 50 years ago when he was 50. You know, they, they sit around, they call him Compassionate Joe or whatever. That's about all he's got. I'm not kidding. That's all he has is a compassionate grandfather who likes to sniff people's hair. You think, would you put him in charge of a, a football team, Alabama, to go march to the national championship and try to win? Would you put him in charge of an, an army and say, go to war? No, you wouldn't. Because he's not a leader. He doesn't have followers. He doesn't have people who choose to follow him. He, he, he was elected because he was the best alternative to someone that everyone hated. And that's like the opposite of what politics should be. We should be electing leaders of the community who want to take the job so that they can make change and benefit a majority of the community. You can put that in your book and quote it to me. I don't know if I mentioned it on here, but I broke down and I paid for YouTube Premium. And it's kind of like a whole new world for me because it allows me to listen to something with a screen off, which is what I do most frequently. 
you know, it, it allows you to listen in the background or whatever. So I could pull up something if I'm doing something around the house or if I'm at work and I can just close the screen and listen to whatever it is is playing. So all that being said, I've come to find out this whole new world of, of YouTube streaming guys that they call them YouTubers. And I know if you're, if you're younger than me and you're listening to this, you're going, hello, welcome to 2007. But either way, so I discovered, I discovered a couple of these guys that I like to listen to, and I figured out that we've kind of done a full circle. And, and I'll, I'll explain to you what I'm going to mean here. So if you think about back when TV first came out, you know, everyone would gather around the TV for, you know, something that was going to come on at a certain time, and they would sit there and watch it. And if you missed it, that was it. You missed it. That's pretty much the only thing that's changed because that was when TV first started. That stayed the way it was all the way through, I guess, remember, like, when TiVo, well, I guess reruns started first. So that was a way to see what you missed. And then after that, we came with uh, VCR Plus. You guys remember that? There was a little code in the TV guide. And if you typed in that eight-digit code, it told your VCR when to start recording and when to stop recording. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I got so frustrated with my mom because she never wanted to learn how to use it. And she'd always sit there and try to adjust the stupid clock on the VCR and adjust the timer. And I always tried to explain to her, Mom, all you have to do is type in this eight-digit code. It will do everything. She's like, I I can't ever get that to work. That thing never works. (laughs) Which sounds exactly like things that I say now. But then it evolved to TiVo. Remember TiVo? It's like digitally record whatever's on TV. You know, the same principle, or you could actually scroll through the, the TV guide, click on a program, even if it was in the future, and tell it to record it. Now, fast forward, here we are, everyone lives in virtual land, they watch YouTube, and Amazon Prime, and Netflix, and, and YouTube is kind of its own deal, but it's pretty much followed the exact same model, like, there's guys on there, that, they get on there, and they do their, their streaming at the same time every day. And there's lots of people, I guarantee you, that will tune into YouTube, that will turn it on their favorite streamer's channel, and they'll watch them live. And you can even interact. You can text them back and forth. You can message them, and they'll answer your questions or whatever. But I just thought it was kind of a funny idea that we've kind of gone full circle. And, and the the consumer, we, we're showing what's important to us. Like We're saying that like even though we can watch it whenever... We still want to watch it live. We still want to see it as it happens, even though now with YouTube, you can pull up anything from the past and see it at any time. But for some reason, there's still value in, in being the first ones to see it. I don't know. I thought that was kind of amazing. It, it, it should lend a look into the future to tell us that, like, okay, even if we have this new technology and a way to deliver things, there will always be a demand for people to have it first. And I think that's going to carry through to like subscriptions, you know, the different tiers of, of packages, you know, even at, um, at Sam's club, you, you buy this membership and you get in at, you know, 10 o'clock, but if you pay for the gold membership, then you can go in at eight and they will literally stop there and not let you in like a freaking bouncer at a nightclub. If you're not in the right package and you try to go early. So I don't know. I think that's interesting. Uh, we'll see how it works in the future, but I mean, yeah, whenever I see a schedule for a live stream, if, if I have the ability to watch it, I'll, I'll watch it live. I heard an interesting statistic in the middle of the week last week 
I know a lot of people don't like to talk about this, but I heard there was 49 people shot in Chicago over last weekend. And I'm not going to sit here and run all the statistics and say, well, X percentage of people, that's still lower. There's other cities that more people got shot. I'm not here to talk about that. What I'm here to do is to compare two different things. So when you hear 49 people got shot in Chicago, I don't know what percentage of them died. It doesn't matter. We can assume that most of them were intended to die. Um, every now and then there's a stray bullet. But we can assume that someone got shot with the intentions of being killed. So of those 49 people, how many people were doing the trigger pulling? How many people were doing the attempted murders or the shootings? Well, I'll tell you, it was 47. Had that been one person who shot 49 people, you think you'd know that? Would you, would you have heard that? Would the news have covered it? Of course. Of course it would have. Of course you would know about it. It would be all over. We'd be talking about gun control. We'd be talking about everything. Racism. Um, crime, the cops, we'd be talking about all of it. But since 47 people did the shootings, we don't talk about it. Now, I want to unpack that a little bit. Let's figure out which is worse. Which, we can do it with one simple question. Which would you rather have in your community? One person who goes around shooting people or 47 people who go around shooting people? Because I'll tell you, I'd rather only have one. Because once you deal with him, that's it. It's over with. But the media, in, in order to profit, which is what they're in business to do, they don't run with 47 out of 49. Because it's too common. It's not a story. It happens too frequently. So, so then, if, if we understand that, we can also say, okay, when one person does shoot a large group of people, the media pushes it. And they, and they, they get behind it. And they promote it, and they talk about it, and they sprinkle it all through our lives so that we can fight and argue about it. Also, they can make profit, which is, let's remember, that's why they're here. My whole point is, we can't let them persuade us. We cannot let the media control what we think is more important or, or persuade us, persuade our opinions based on how loud they scream. And I hate to say it, but I totally think they're winning. I think that they have this country convinced that it's, it's a terrible country and everyone is racist and there's no equal rights because that's how they profit. And of those 49 shootings, of all those 47 people, a vast majority of them were black-on-black -black crimes. Now, before you get all bent out of shape and you say, well, that's racist, man. Why do you care so much? Where was Al Sharpton? Where was Jesse Jackson? Where was Black Lives Matter, right? I mean, 49 people got shot. I don't remember the number of how many died, but it was more than one, less than 49 probably. Do those lives not matter? You see, this is another example of how the media has us convinced. They have, us, they have the ability to spin things, and then they control when things matter. That's the pattern that we need to get out of. We need to be looking at the newspaper and saying, oh, 40 Nine people were shot in Chicago. 47 trigger pullers. Guys, we got to fix this. We have 47 people this weekend in Chicago who thinks it's okay to shoot people. That's a huge problem. That is way bigger than one crazy person who shoots 49 people. And if you disagree with that, I'd love to hear from you. Write me an email. Let me know how it's better 
to have 47 trigger pullers because I wholeheartedly disagree. And once again, the government just sits back and they watch us fight because they benefit. They have no motivation to tell the media to shut up, stop producing that crap, because we end up taking sides. And so the government benefits, the media benefits, and we just get shat upon. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit now about the angry customer. So in my first third of my business career, I never really dealt with retail customers. Every now and then we would do some concrete construction or pour a patio for someone or, you know, whenever I was building homes, I had homeowners, but those people, you know, I had the ability to create a relationship with them. You know, they trust me, they hired me. So they, it, it wasn't just like, um, they were trading money for services with a stranger. So I didn't really have much experience in dealing with the retail consumer, you know, who's making purchases with little or no trust. And so my first taste of that came with the sailboat business, nikasailandsurf.com. And, you know, it, it's really fulfilling when someone goes sailing for the day, they go home and they write a trip advisor review and they say, man, this is the best trip of our vacation. It was the best activity we did, greatest day of my life, best bachelorette party. You know, that, that's very fulfilling. It makes you feel good as a business owner. And then every now and then you'll get someone who will write and say, hey, man, um, just so you know, our beers weren't very cold. Um, they let the sail flop a lot, and it, it bothered my girlfriend. She's real picky. And uh, anyway, do with it what you want to do. I just thought you might want to know. That's constructive criticism. I will accept that all day long. What I won't accept is the angry customer who just wants to complain. And I had a few of those at Nika Sail and Surf, but not a ton because, you know, in order for you to commit to a full day at sailing, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever it costs, it's it's hard to mess that up as a as an operator. And we also, you know, we try to do our best and give everyone the best experience. So most people have realistic expectations when it goes on a, when it comes to going on a sailing trip. Fast forward now at the brewery, we're serving barbecue, we're pretty much like a restaurant. People complain just to complain. And and you know there's a there's a culture out there that will try to complain to get free things. And I doubted it. Whenever I heard people talk about oh, we're just trying just a customer trying to get something for free, I thought to myself, do people really do that? I don't think people really do that. Oh, let me tell you what. People really do that. I got a complaint yesterday on Facebook. Couldn't believe how old the tortillas were and not to mention cold and the old lady behind the bar was just rude. Never coming back here. And I thought to myself, that's not constructive criticism. That's someone who just wants to whine. So I fire off a message back at her and I'm like, hey, listen, I don't remember what I said. I was a little bit sarcastic. I was like, okay, no worries. I'll fire everyone. Um... You know, sorry that we forgot your bread. How dare those stupid humans make a mistake? I'll take care of them immediately. You know, I was I was very sarcastic about it. It was it was pretty much for my own entertainment, and it, it, I caught her off guard. She couldn't believe it. She goes, "Your your sarcasm just says how much of a lousy manager you are." And I thought to myself, "This is a Karen. This is someone who's complaining just to complain." Come to find out, she was still there in the brewery. I was texting with the people who were working. And she was still there. She was complaining on Facebook while she was eating her food. And I thought, no, no, you're not going to do this. 
so then I, I wrote back and I said, hey, look, there's a difference between constructive criticism and just being sheer whiny. I said, and, and these complaints that are people just whining, just complaining just to complain, like, you're not going to help us improve. You know how I know that? Because you said you're never coming back. So I met her with resistance. I made fun of her right back to her and I blocked her. And I, you know what? I don't care. She said something like, I'll make sure to go tell all of Facebook. I don't care. I, I do not care. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. This idea that we're going to let the customer always be right and hold our feet to the fire and give away the farm. No, it's more important to me to defend my employees and, and know that they're doing the right thing. And after I talked to them, I was right. Employees were doing the right thing. Sure, mistakes happen. I totally get that. I will take constructive criticism from anyone as long as it's constructive. And so I defended my employees and I said, look, as long as you guys try and you're trying to make things right and keep people happy, I will defend you all day. And they were very appreciative. You know, they're like, oh, this is why I love working here. And, you know, to me, it's more important to have, have a history with employees and when you will back them up and you'll stand behind them and you will show them that you recognize when someone's being ridiculous. They appreciate that. That will go so much farther than keeping some whiny customer from posting bad things on Facebook. Because every single one of those employees, they'll tell their friends how great it is to work at Nuasis Brewing Company. And maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to know that my employees are happy there and, and that they trust that I will get their back. And that I'm there to defend them. I'm there to protect them so that they can do their job. And I will not let some whiny person who has already vowed to never come back and never give us a second chance, control my employee's state of work. I just won't do it. You know, if everyone likes you a little bit, if everyone, if if the general population, if 100% of the population thinks you're okay, then everyone everyone likes you, then you're not going to have anyone who really loves you. In order for people to love you and be passionate about your product and what you do and your place of work and what you stand for, you're going to have people who hate you because not everyone thinks the same. And I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly okay. Some of the population loving us and some of the population hating us. When I lay my head down at night to go to bed, have I done the best I can do? Have I done the best to improve people's lives? Have I done the best to put the the best beer out there at the lowest price? I'm trying, you know? And, And as long as I can say that I'm trying to do that, it doesn't matter what some people think about me. I'm confident that I know right from wrong. I'm confident that 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 my moral guidance is correct. My mom, my mom taught me all that. She equipped me. And that's why I can proceed. I can go forward and say that, look, I don't care what you say, lady. It doesn't matter. I know what's going on here. I know that we can make mistakes. We're not immune to that. But I also know that we're trying. And I also know that people deserve a second chance. And if you're not willing to give someone a chance to improve, then your motivations for complaining are not for improvement. I'm sorry if I rant too much. I <laughs> I just pushed the pause button. I thought... Man, my blood pressure sounds high right now. And it's not any higher than normal. It's always kind of high. But I apologize <laughs> if I sound angry. It's just passion sometimes comes out. And it's, it's a firm feeling I have. And when I have these firm feelings, it comes out in my tone of voice. I've always been terrible at concealing my tone of voice. If my mom were around, she would say... The biggest thing that got me in trouble as a kid was my tone of voice. She used to say, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I still think of it to this day. <laughs> but sometimes I just can't help it. Just know that like, 
when you hear me and you think, wow, Brandon's on like level six or seven, you have to put it on, I'm on my own scale. That's really like a two or three on most people's scale. So just because I'm hollering and I'm ranting doesn't mean I'm mad. just means I feel passionate. That's it. You know, we, going back to the, the, the angry customer, we can all admit that there's people out there that would just try to get free things. And as much as we hate to admit it, we know, maybe we don't know personally, but we know of someone or we can probably identify someone who is likely to behave this way. Well, they'll complain just to get free things. And they're out there. And so those are the type of people that I'm not, I don't negotiate with terrorists. I will not play their games. And I truly think that it, it will take that to alter their behavior. It will, to get them to stop doing that way, we have to confront them. We can't just play this, the customer is always right game. Because the customer is not always right. There are some customers out there that will take advantage of you. Speaking of taking advantage, you know, in the news this week was the, the pipeline situation where somebody hacked the petroleum pipeline that goes from Texas to the East Coast. And they held it for ransom. And whoever the authorities were paid the $5 million ransom money. And the pipeline's flowing again. And everyone got gas and we're good to go. A couple things about the situation that kind of caught me. I don't think we should have announced that we paid the ransom, number one. That's like the biggest thing you don't do. We, we should just say publicly... Whoever the, whoever the company was should have said, no, nah, we're not paying any ransom. We just we told them we're not paying it, and they got it working again. Otherwise, people were, will hear that it worked. And so after a quick search, I saw that in 2018, there was, I want to say, two, $2 billion in, in ransom money paid in these t- same types of situations. And maybe it was 2016. I think it was 2016. And now there's been $20 billion, but I think from 2020 up until now, 2021, there's been $20 billion paid in ransom money. My question is, why is the government not stepping in to change any of this? Why aren't they developing systems to, to, to combat these hackers? And I know a lot of you are saying, oh, look at Mr. Don't, don't let the government do anything, asking for the help of the government. In my opinion, this is no different than a war. And yes, I'm a big believer that the, the government should maintain a military to protect its people. And I think that hacking our infrastructure is no different than a boat full of people showing up on the beach, ready to fight us. And so, yeah, I do think the government should implement programs. And if not, we're going to have to leave it up to the private sector. And what that would take would be someone eating the cost of developing some software, and I'm Speaking blindly here because I know nothing about computers, but it would take some some company eating the cost to develop this system. Then they'd have to recoup that by selling it on the open market or the government could get their act together and say, okay, what can we do to protect the citizens of our country from cyber attacks? That way, all the taxpayers could could bear the cost of this and but all the taxpayers would reap the rewards. So I do think this is something that should be done by the government blows my mind why compassionate Joe is not all over this. He can use this to pull us together because no matter if you're left or if you're right, you would love to see the government step up and say, you know, you know what you, you Eastern Bloc sons of bitches, you're not getting in here again. You're not. And if you do, here's what we're going to do, but we don't do that. We just, 
keep our mouths shut, and the news reports, what do, they, what do they report on? They show what containers people are putting gas in. You guys realize how ridiculous this is? Do you know how many times I saw video clips of people putting gas in garbage bags and people putting gas in Rubbermaid containers? You know the only thing dumber than people putting gas in garbage bags are the people who are watching people put gas in garbage bags. Stop it. Fix the problem. You, you media, why are you reporting on what people put gas in? You should be helping figure out who caused this. But they don't because they're in the business to make money. Once we realize this, things will change. And with that, I give you a clip from the week from our great leader. Patty Young owns a hair salon in Springfield, Ohio. She's also dedicated to getting her customers and employers vaccin- employees vaccinated that when they leave the saloon, receptionist the saloon the salon well he caught himself maybe going to the saloon i don't know oh, but tomorrow's oh, vaccine oh. and vaccination numbers come well, out guys half asleep we'll show that today today we did it today we hit 200 million shots and the 92nd day in office so today i'm announcing a program to address that issue nationwide i'm calling on every employer large and small in every state to give employees the time off they need with pay to get vaccinated. And then One thing I want to point out to you, start noticing this. When Joe Biden speaks, he uses words to, to buy time, to, to stretch things out, to give him more time to think. So, right? So when he says, I'm calling on all employers, large and small, in all states, those last two sentences, completely unnecessary. I'm calling on all employers to give people time off work. You don't have to say large and small in all 50 states, green or red, purple or blue. None of, all of that is unnecessary. He just says that because he needs time to think. I've done it before. Everyone's done it before. He does it every single day, every speech. Let's finish this up. Words from our fearless leader. Time they need with pay to recover if they're feeling under the weather after the shot. No working American should lose a single dollar from their paycheck because they chose to fulfill their patriotic duty of getting vaccinated. Patriotic duty. So again, every employee should get paid leave to get a shot. And businesses should know that they... Okay, so first he said that they should be paid leave if they have to stay home because they're sick. And now he's saying they get paid time off just just to go get the shot because it's our patriotic duty. Like... This guy is in outer space. Can provide it without a hit to their bottom line. There's no excuse for not getting it done. He, he, expects, <laughs> he expects the employee to, to go get the shot and be sick without a hit to their bottom line. Where does that hit to the bottom line happen, Joe? If you'd ever owned a business in your life, you would know. Then that it's going to come out of the employer's pocket. Well, the employer is the rich guy. Just take it out of the wealthy business owner. Got news for you, Joe. Most business owners, including me, make less than most of my employees. But if we let up now and stop being vigilant, this virus will erase the progress we've already achieved. Complete nonsense. That is complete nonsense. Been put on hold. The loved ones who've been taken from us to celebrate our independence. Okay. The loved ones who have been taken from us. Hang on a second. Where did that even come from? Let's listen to that again. The, follow his thought logic up until 
the loved ones who have been taken from us. You're going to undo that? Is that? Does this make any sense to anyone? The sacrifices we've made, the lives that have been put on hold, the loved ones who've been taken from us. To celebrate our independence from this virus on July 4th with family and friends in small groups, we still have more to do in the months of May and June. What a joke. What an absolute joke. You know how slurry his speech is? He, he's not thinking. He's a robot. He's up there reading a teleprompter. Mm, mm, mm. Here we are. You know what? We deserve who we elect. This is our guy. Go get him, Joe. All right. We're at 49 minutes. It's one of the longer ones. Taking a deep breath. I'm not worried about Joe. I know he's not going to be here much longer because he's going to get voted out. Not because anything else. His co-president. <laughs> I think it's funny that they start calling Kamala his co-president. Kamala, you know, the, the one who's in charge of the border but has never been there? Yeah, that one. All right, I'm going to take this podcast. I'm going to edit it as fast as I possibly can. Then I'm going to jump over to the Eskimo Bros 69 podcast, and I'm going to do a podcast with my cousin Harry. If you've never listened to it, do not go listen to it. It is just shenanigans. It is trash talking. It's it's it makes me sound dumber than I really am. Like I really when I listen to that podcast, I'm like, dude, I'm just an ape. I'm just a I don't really know what I'm talking about. You know, <laughs> me and Harry sit there and you know, when we talk amongst each other with nobody listening, boy, we're confident. We know exactly what's going on and what's wrong with everything. But then <laughs> we put it out there, some people probably think these guys have no idea what they're doing. Remind us to never elect them into public office. All right, that's it. I'm signing off from the... That's not the man cave. I, I need some names for this place. Clubhouse? Playhouse? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I'm signing off. Thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Go out there. Be bold. Don't be like Joe Biden. When you speak, command authority. Look people in the eyes. Don't stare at teleprompters. Stand behind your decisions. Don't be afraid to voice your opinion. Be respectful. Make friends who are opposite of your political viewpoints. Thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo. Let me show how much I love you, baby. I don't mind and I don't mind. Girl, I love you. There's no one above you. You are the sun. You are the rain. It makes my life this foolish thing. You need to know I love you so. And I do it all again and again. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa.
on 